Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Melicaro. We thank you for joining us here this week in the Power Rally, as a lot has gone on since the last time we checked in from the corner of Washington and Swan Street as the Buffalo Bisons prepare to return home. The Herd Comes Home, presented by Key Bank on August the 10th, as the Bisons will welcome the Rochester Red Wings for the first of four homestands in downtown Buffalo through the end of the season, and we cannot wait to see you at Salem Field soon. I know myself and the rest of the Bisons front office staff is feverishly working to get Salem Field ready so that you can enjoy Bison's baseball in just over a week from now for 23 home games from August the 10th all the way until the end of September. And don't forget, the stretch run of the 2021 season will end with the Bisons in Syracuse on October the 3rd, the first time in the modern era that the Buffalo Bisons will play a game in the month of October. Well, as we get you set for the Bison's return home to downtown Buffalo, we can't help but look back at what was the Blue Jays' time at Salem Field over the past two seasons. What amounted to 49 games total in downtown Buffalo for the Herd's parent club? The Toronto Blue Jays have returned home to Rogers Center, and we were glad to see all the festivities that took place last Friday night for the Blue Jays' homecoming. Wish them the most success through the rest of the 2021 season hopefully culminating in a postseason berth. The Blue Jays were busy at the trading deadline. I'll tell you about that later on in the Power Rally. But first, a man who is a member of the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Fame, an inductee forever enshrined in 1999, Pete Weber served as the longtime voice of the Buffalo Bisons, the first in the modern era, now with the Nashville Predators as the broadcaster for the NHL franchise down in Tennessee. I had a chance to catch up with the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Famer earlier on and reminisce about some of the memories that he had of the expansion era push for the Bisons to receive one of those expansion teams that, ironically, Buffalo would face, the now Miami Marlins, and what it meant to see a live Major League game with all those memories of what was such a great push by Bob and Mindy Rich and the Bisons front office to try and get Major League Baseball in downtown Buffalo. Of course, the jewel of downtown Buffalo at the time, then Pilot Field, ready for Major League action, ready for its own expansion should Buffalo have received one of those teams in the early 1990s. And I had a chance to catch up with Pete and talk about that here in the Power Alley. Well, Pete, it's great to catch up with you again. And, you know, we've, we've caught up over the years and great to see you at Salem Field. But uh, just wanted to take some time and talk today about what exciting times it was in downtown Buffalo recently with the Blue Jays uh, calling Salem Field home. And, man, it has to bring back some great memories for you of those early days of then Pilot Field. Does it ever. And I got to tell you what it also brings tears to my eyes uh, from the game last Friday night against the Texas Rangers. All of us, and I didn't grow up in Buffalo, but I certainly grew up professionally there. And I think all of us, as kids had this one dream about wanting to make the major leagues and there here's my old hometown having made it uh, and uh, doing it gloriously against the Texas Rangers, who I think have now been hired permanently to be the home run derby pitchers uh, for the all-star game weekend now forevermore, but just to be able to see that and look around and be able to look at faces of people in the stands and walking through the corridors of the ballpark and to see it was essentially, I was seeing pure joy on those faces and uh, maybe it would have been more of a mixed bag if I had been there for a Red Sox or a Yankee series, but 
uh, it is clear to me that they've enjoyed a great deal and enjoyed a great deal having the Blue Jays in town, plus over and above the 2020 year, actually being able to be in the ballpark rather than up 30 stories or something looking down on it. And I have to imagine there were some emotions going through, through your head as you came to Buffalo last weekend in anticipation of what it would be like to go to a game at Salem Field. You know, as you were traveling up from Nashville with your wife, Claudia, you know, what were some of the things you were thinking you might see or, or looking forward to seeing when you got to the ballpark? The people, the people that we knew so very well. And uh, Claudia, having worked at the old media gate for uh, quite a few years while we were there, uh, we went through the hallways and met with all the ushers who are still around. They use an affectionate, I think, uh, tag for everybody. They call each refer to each other as donkey ears. That, uh, for, and I don't know how that came to be a, a, such an affectionate term, but it was passed around rather liberally as we walked around the ballpark. So it was great to hear. Great to see Darlene down at the one gate. And... Uh, everybody i mean even mike grise who i first met at war memorial stadium i believe in 1982 and here he is still working games now at washington and swan so to see people like that to see conehead to see him work and, and to see how far he has come when to have your own beer canned ready to uh, to vend i think that's an incredible accomplishment by him but nothing he does or any of the people there do astonishes me at all you know, that's one thing that when I talk to other broadcasters who come through the International League or back in the days of the American Association, it always comes back to the people. Because mm -hmm. when you're at the ballpark for months at a time and going from city <laughs> to city, it's the people that you meet. And whether it's Conehead here in Buffalo or the, the media gate attendant that you see in Indianapolis, those are all the people that you tend to remember and missed the most when you maybe move on to your, your next journey. Yeah, it was interesting for me after moving down here and then finally going up and seeing Victory Field in Indianapolis and seeing some of the same people that I knew from Bush Stadium and all the years traveling in there. That was uh, uplifting for me, I got to tell you. And, and for your wife, Claudia, you mentioned that she used to work at the ballpark as well. And you know, what were some of her, her feelings as, as she attended a major league game at, at Salem Field? There, uh, let's just say both of us contributed to salty water with uh, tears coming out of our eyes, uh, being able to realize that right in front of us. And we had been uh, watching it on television. I watched the, the final game, uh, the so long, and uh, that was uh, another emotional experience for me, uh, for certain. And to see how well the Blue Jays interacted with the Buffalo people. I thought that was absolutely incredible. It wasn't like, well, we had to go someplace, might as well be here. Uh, no, uh, I think that was a very uh, mutually beneficial arrangement for both sides. And as we talk about the history of the Bisons in Buffalo and you, know, you calling games back to the, the rock pile all the way through, uh, it's just the picture right behind you, the, the first game in 88 through the mid 90s, you, yeah. know, you were there for a, a million fans a year. And yes. what it meant to be affiliated with the Pirates back then and into the Cleveland Indians affiliation. And I have to think, now that the Blue Jays have taken roots here in Buffalo the last two years, 
I want your opinion on it. You know, I think that we're going to see a lot more Blue Jays fans now the way we saw Pirates and Indians fans in yeah. the 80s and into the 90s. I remember thinking when it was time to look for another major league partner and when, how in the heck can we get the Blue Jays out of Syracuse and move them here to Buffalo? That would be absolutely fantastic. It took a while, took several moves out of Syracuse. And uh, the Blue Jays coming in just an absolute natural certainly supersedes the product the Mets were able to put on the field uh, in Buffalo. And everything that you think about uh, major league organizations, I know the relationship between the major league teams and the minors has been drastically altered now. But I think that what has happened between the Blue Jays and the Bisons is probably the epitome of what you could hope for in a relationship between the, the two sides. And I'm so very happy to see that. Very happy. And, you know, Pete, I was struck when, when Larry King passed uh, just a few months ago, and he was such an integral part in that, the, the video at presentation yes. to Major League Baseball. And it should take me back to, to some of those times again, and just, you know, what it was like to be involved in all of that planning and preparation and wanting Major League Baseball with Bob and Mindy Rich uh, to call Buffalo home one day. All the documentation. I think I still have it in my office here from the presentations. I'll, I'll never forget when the National League Expansion Committee visited. And I think it was just after uh, the Bills' first Super Bowl down in Tampa when they came into the clubhouse. Then a guy that I've uh, gone to several Cardinals games with, Senator Doug Danforth, who was part of that expansion committee, then representing Pirates ownership. And we've talked about that a few times. I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. Uh, and to see, I remember, you know, one of my, I grew up a Cardinals fan, and one of the guys on the committee was a National League president by the name of Bill White, or the guy that you probably remember, Phil Rizzuto calling out to on Yankee broadcast, hey, White, uh, as he used to do all the time. How about this? Uh, <clears throat> that was a tremendous time of, energy, uh, dreaming, and, and maybe it was those dreams that were percolating within me when I was able to attend a, a major league game there at Salem Field. But that was uh, an incredible high to go through all of that. And Larry King, I had worked with at Mutual Radio. So I got the chance to uh, rekindle my relationship with him. It was better to be in person with him than to be in Sarajevo and call back uh, because he had the overnight radio show then, and I mean overnight, uh, and to do the updates from speed skating and uh, figure skating from the Winter Olympic Games in 1984. So uh, because for both of us, I think our number one sport for Larry was and mine is, is baseball. And, you know, being a kid growing up in Buffalo and attending Bison games all the way back to, you know, the late 80s and into the 90s, Major League Baseball was such a a, a, an attainable goal, something we we're all reaching towards. And unfortunately, it took a pandemic to, for us to realize that dream. But I, I just, I think back to all those times and what all those people all those years ago would have said, whether it's Jimmy Griffin helping get the ballpark built and getting it ready for the expansion upwards of what then Pilot Field would be. And, you know, just just how how amazing it would be for, for several folks that aren't with us today to right. see Major League Baseball in Buffalo. I think back to uh, the early members on the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Fame committee that I was proud to be around. Vince McNamara, the longtime president of the New York Penn League, 
George Diderio, who had this jinx going against him while he was the director of promotions for the Bisons. Every big promotion he seemed to dream up, the, the thing got rained out. Uh, he did was able to pull off the 63 International League All-Star game at War Memorial Stadium with the New York Yankees. So that he was able to pull through. The, the newspaper writers, Cy Kreitzer, Joe Ally, uh, those guys work so hard. The, the one, I think there's one man that was player, manager, and general manager of the Bisons, and that was longtime big league scout Dan Carnavale. Uh, and the conversations that we all would have, and this goes back to the days where we'd have our meetings at the Broderick Park Inn uh, on the ground now where the Rich Renaissance stands and where the research and development lab exists. So yeah, an awful lot of talk, an awful lot of hope, and a great deal of effort, uh, concerted, uh, combined efforts put together. And, and you know, one guy back here in the photo on the far side is Mario Cuomo, then the governor of New York State, and he was right behind this effort all the way. And other folks that uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention is Joe Overfield, the yes. longtime historian, Cy Williams, uh, you know, who has... Ball, uh, ball stadium named after him here in, in South Buffalo, where I live. So uh, yeah, and are... he was also on the construction crew for War Memorial Stadium. He told me many stories about that. I've got recordings of him from the last Bison game at War Memorial in 87 uh, against Nashville, uh, ironically enough. And uh, he was talking uh, what it was like, because essentially War Memorial Stadium was an old reservoir. And according to the World Works Progress Administration, you poured concrete until it would take no more. And that's how War Memorial was constructed. Wow, I never knew that. That's, that's incredible. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some poetic justice, Pete, in the fact that the Miami Marlins were the team that played here first last year. Yep. First again this year, and it's been pointed out a couple of times, and the Blue Jays were the team that, that beat the Marlins in the first game here. So, you know, all those little synergies, and, you know, in the Buffalo News, the, the story about, uh, with Brian Frank of the Herd Chronicles pointing out that uh, the Red Sox got the American League, uh, you know, franchise over Buffalo, you know, over 100 years ago. And yeah. all those things kind of all culminating uh, again. It is amazing how all of that did happen to work out and how I will still listen to Cy Kreitzer. I can still hear him telling the story of how had Buffalo in the 60s hired John McHale to be their front man to take him away from actually what had been the parent club for the Bisons for a long time, the Detroit Tigers. Had they hired him, Walter O'Malley then, who held the sway within the National League as the Dodgers owner, was, I think, willing to put his weight behind Buffalo rather than Montreal. Then who knows if this conversation even exists right now. Wow, it's the history of the, of the Bison franchise we know goes back well over a hundred years and um, just the, whether it was the hundred years of Buffalo baseball uh, with Joe Overfield, now his son taking over. Uh, I just love reading the, the history and, you know, the book that just came out with yes. uh, Brian as a part of it, just to go back and look at whether it was the federal league or the old national league. And there's just a wealth of knowledge of Buffalo baseball. Yeah, there is. And let's not forget the players league too, in 1890, uh, another level of major league baseball being played right there in western new york various ballparks but you can i still will insist to my dying day that buffalo is a baseball town uh couldn't agree with you more pete um you know as as you come back to salem field that's now 34 years young 
<laughs> you've seen the changes and you've been yeah. at the forefront of those changes a lot of times, you know, how have you seen the ballpark evolve from what was uh, the hopes of a major league team to now being one that is one of the top drawers in triple a baseball in terms of attendance. And thanks to Jackie Walker of news for Buffalo pointing out that the figures, even though they were artificially held down for a while by New York state for how large a percentage they would allow of occupancy, ahead of three current major league teams that reminded me right away of what we were doing back in the eighties and in the early nineties. Uh, <clears throat> I remember I used to derisively say when we get the uh, attendance numbers from Denver at mile high stadium, they'd say tonight's attendance is, and I said, well, I guess this is a tribute to Babe Ruth. They're listing the attendance as 714. And I thought there's no way that major league baseball could work there. Obviously I was more than a little bit wrong on that count but buffalo supports their teams and their teams this last uh, year plus just happened to be the toronto blue jays needing a home and i think buffalo provided a great one well you just reminded me pete of another uh, unfortunately infamous moment in, in bison baseball history involving involving charlie montoyo uh, the manager of the blue jays <laughs> and being front and center of you can't of look at him without thinking about that and I know he's he's even asked our front office if we had audio or video of the play. So, you know, yeah. it, again, it's all those coincidences, it's always a bison connection. Well, yeah. And uh, Charlie Montoyo, rather than Pat Listash being out as the relay man, the third baseman went out rather than the shortstop because of a, a better arm really is what it came down to, to as well. And the first throw had to come from left field and, uh, that was Mickey Brantley, now Michael Brantley, playing in the big leagues, following up on him. And uh, I still have Greg Edge picking him up and laying him down, coming around first, second, third, and then coming in home. And I still see his foot on home plate. And after it had reached home plate, Joe Kamak tagging him up around the letters. So I, I went a little ballistic at that point in time in the broadcast and uh, I don't feel sorry that I did yet. And uh, that was back in 1991. And Pete, just a couple of years later, Casey Kandel would be a part of the Bison's yes. roster. So I have to ask you about Casey being the manager this year. And, you know, you're, you're, uh, what you remember about Casey from his time with the herd. Well, his great sense of humor. And uh, he was one of the guys, the old bit uh, flying commercially and taking a piece of fishing line under like a 10 or $20 bill and dragging it along the floor of the terminal and seeing people walk by and should I go down and try to pick that up or not as it was moving. Casey one time acting like someone in military boot camp dove on it, trying to cover it like it was a grenade that he was trying to cover. And that brought everybody uh, out of their seats in the terminal that I think we were in Indianapolis that day, as a matter of fact. And I, I'm in a group here that discusses movies on Monday nights. We get together formally on Zoom calls, now back together again. What the last movie that we did was A League of Their Own. And uh, Casey's mom was part of that whole uh, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League and, and her sister. And uh, that was so Casey was the first guy, I think, in Major League Ball whose mother taught him the game. And I'm looking forward. I know that there was an announcement recently that uh, I believe it's Amazon Prime will be uh, rekindling 
the movie into a into a series. So I'm that's what I heard. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because you know, I've talked to Casey before about it. And it's it's great that you know for folks that don't know that they can now learn about you know who was uh, involved in and who the the movie was kind of written after. Right, and it was how was it was a a PBS documentary on that league that Penny Marshall, who produced the movie later on, just happened to see and sort of inspired her to follow that story. And if you want another connection there, uh, the Bisons sent Claudia and me on a trip to Cooperstown uh, in 91. And while we were there, those ladies were having their reunion there, which was depicted uh, in the picture. And uh, we had the chance to talk with quite a few of them. And uh, I, know, I remember Claudia asking one of them, how did you protect yourself from the baseball coming, you know, nailing you in the chest or something? And the simple response was, we caught the ball. <laughs> it's a simple answer, but it's a, it's, yes, a, it is. it's a great one. Yes, it is. Well, Pete, uh, it's been great catching up with you today. And I know we love seeing you at the ballpark uh, whenever you're in town, uh, in downtown Buffalo. And that's, that's the one thing I, I hope very soon, once again, we'll have a Buffalo Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Yes. You're such a great part of, of that group. And, you know, the work you guys have done, and that's maybe one thing over the last couple of years due to the pandemic that we haven't been able to celebrate is, is some of that history in those players. Yeah, I mean, we did have the election last year no opportunity to uh, honor those. So let's see, who knows? Uh, and especially with the fact that the schedule has been extended into mid-September, that might allow for us to do that this time around. And I know that every offseason, uh, the group gets together and that has to be some great fun with yourself, Duke McGuire, Kevin Lester, you know, Mike Butchkowski and, and everybody involved in that. There have to be some great you know, war stories, so to speak, uh, oh, yeah. that are told at that. There were even there was even one meeting when I had just come back to town for a hockey game, and uh, the night before the game, we met at the ballpark and uh, went through everything, and uh, I caught all those great hockey questions that Kevin Lester can't help but ask me. So uh, that was uh, that was what we did. Well, Pete, thanks for taking the time today. Like I said, I love catching up with you and, and you know, such a wealth of knowledge of Buffalo baseball. We had to talk to you uh, about this great uh, time the Blue Jays had in Buffalo. So thanks for joining us here. Thank you very much. I just wish I could have been there when Billy Shearer was in town as I got pictures of him there in town several weeks ago. So, but every time I get back, it's pure joy for me. Uh, thanks once again to Pete for joining us. Cannot wait to check in with him in person again soon, whether it be when the Predators come to downtown Buffalo and take on the Sabres on the ice or the next time the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Fame Committee has an induction ceremony. And as Pete mentioned, a couple of overdue names that we hope to bring you in the future set to be enshrined in the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Fame and hopefully some new members come the 2022 season. Well, the month of July has come to a close for the Buffalo Bisons, one of the most successful in the past decade. The Bisons finished the month with 17 victories, a 17-9 record overall, giving Buffalo its first 17-win month of July since 2015. The Herd went 19-10 that year. Since then, a couple of nine-win victories, 10 wins in 2018. All told, 552 victories in the modern era for the Buffalo Bisons in the month of July and a 17-9 and mark, identical to the record the team had in June. So the Bisons, once again, seeing some of their best success as they have played this season, also buoyed by an eight-game winning streak against Syracuse and also against Worcester at the start of this series. 
Unfortunately for Buffalo, losing four out of six to the Woo Sox. Now they'll head to Lehigh Valley for a six-game series come Tuesday evening. The series will conclude on Sunday, and then the Bisons will finally come home to Salem Field and get ready for baseball against the Rochester Red Wings again on August the 10th. Well, the Bisons in the month of July, as we mentioned, were one of the best teams in AAA baseball, had a very good home record as the Bisons this season, calling Trenton Thunder Ballpark home, finished with 29 wins, 29-13 and 13 in the Garden State this year. And a lot of that thanks to Kevin Smith, had a 17-game hitting streak for the Bisons and hit 317 in the month of July, 32 hits on the month. Mentioned that 17-game hitting streak, and the AAA rookie had 16 extra base hits, six home runs. He leads the Bisons in virtually every statistical category, not only the Bisons, AAA East, and he's one of the top hitters in AAA baseball, period, of all 30 teams this year with 77 hits, 47 runs driven in, 18 homers, 54 RBIs. Oh, by the way, 14 stolen bases for the Hurt as well. Kevin Smith is just one of the best hitters in minor league baseball. In that 17-game hitting streak, went 28 for 67, a 418 clip to help Smith at one point get over 300. Was hitting 302 at his high water mark the first time all year that Smith was able to get above 300 with his batting average and one of the top 30 prospects in the Blue Jays organization, having a very nice bounce back season and rounding into form for the final what is two months of the 2021 campaign. The Major League Baseball trading deadline has come and gone, and for the Bisons, not a lot of roster movement as Riley Adams was the only member of the Bisons to be traded this past week. Adams, part of a trade that saw Brad Hand, the lefty reliever from the Washington Nationals, be acquired, and Riley Adams going the other way. Not sure if we'll see Adams when Rochester comes to downtown Buffalo. You'll remember the Red Wings are now the AAA affiliate of the Nationals, or whether Adams, who has seen big league time this year with the Blue Jays, will be in the big leagues with Washington, but we will see. Also, a couple of other players impacted by the trading deadline as Jonathan Davis was designated for assignment, and if he clears waivers, can be outrighted to the Bisons and would be a very nice addition to the Bisons outfield as he has been back and forth from the big leagues in AAA for a handful of games this year. And for Buffalo, a team with just one actual traditional outfielder currently on the roster would be very nice to have Forrest Wall, Jonathan Davis, and then the platoon of other outfielders to complement them. Also, Tyler Chatwood was recalled from his Major League Injury Rehab assignment and designated for assignment as well. That'll do it for us here in the Power Alley this week. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with former Bisons broadcaster and Buffalo Baseball Hall of Famer Pete Weber. We will check in with you next time when we talk with you next week. We'll be just over 24 hours away from the Bisons throwing their first pitch in downtown Buffalo this season. Don't forget, for the latest ticketing and promotional information, you can head to Bisons.com. If you'd like to speak with a Bisons associate about tickets for the home games at Salem Field. Don't forget their $10 general admission seats so you can get the best seats in the house depending on what time you are able to get to the ballpark. You can give us a call at 843-4373. Until next week here in the Power Alley, I'm Pat Malacaro.